0: You are listening to Think Theory Radio. 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 Hello and welcome to Think Theory Radio, the show that brings you topics outside the mainstream realm of thought and ideas to make you think. And I'm your host, Damien Perdue, your guide on this robotic ride of Automata delights. And of course I'm joined by Paul Shavari. Beep boop beep yo yo yo. <laughs> policy C in the building. Yo yo yo. Yo yo yo. Yo yo yo. And today the C stands for compute. Does not compute. Oh yes, does not compute. Does, does compute. <laughs> yeah. Does compute. Does compute. <laughs> And that's because today we're going to talk about our future robot overlords. <laughs> Where do they come from? How did they begin? Boston Dynamics? Yes. <laughs> Skynet. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, we're going to talk about the past and the future of robotics. Why have humans always been fascinated with building automata or automatons? To do our work for us, and it actually goes back thousands of years. Our oh yeah, man! The
1: a ton, a ton of times and the GoBots have been fighting yeah. for. Oh wait, sorry, you're talking <laughs> about something
0: else. you know the GoBots came out before the Transformers? No kidding. Mm-hmm. Okay, they were the OGs. I, uh... although technically, the form of the Transformers were out before in Japan. They weren't okay. called the Transformers. Okay. This is right in my wheelhouse because those
1: yes. two shows were very popular when I was a little boy.
0: And in a weird way, I was actually... two
1: Transformers though. I mean, they were just cool. Like my friend had the one where you could like play tapes in it. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Um, ah! Oh, like I a, should know a B- that name box or something. I don't know what was name? No, uh, ah, ah. that was Megatron's sidekick. Why can't I forget his? Ah, I'll remember at some point. Three a.m. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna get a text at like four in the morning. <laughs> right. I remember. Yeah, but you know what in I'm sidetracking but really quickly though in a weird way they come from GI Joes. So when they used to make GI Joes uh back like in the 40s, they used to send over all the leftover parts to Japan after the war and since uh Japan was, you know, struggling with their economy, they started remaking them into these like robots. Yeah. And then uh, eventually sold them back to Mattel, which is crazy. So Here's the jog your memory if you if you can figure this
1: out. The transformer with the cassette tape. If I was to open Adobe Audition
0: Soundwave. Thank you.
1: Yes. (laughs) It was like coming as you were talking, it was like beep beep boop boop boop. Yep.
0: Yep. My robotic brain started working. That's
1: amazing. I just didn't even complete my question and you knew it. Would that have helped you? Would that clue have helped you? Or I mean it who clearly is did. Soundwave. But, yeah, that clearly did, but you seem to have gotten it before. Yeah, it was yeah. kind
0: of like, yeah, it was it was clicking. Yeah. I was starting to. Uh, at first I was going to say Radiotron. Radiotron. Radio Tron. I think there was actually there was a club in LA back in the 80s. Okay. Tron. Used to do a lot of hip hop stuff there. But be, way before that, way before the 80s, 4000 yeah. years ago. The ancient Egyptians, of course. You don't know the decade might have been the 80s. That's true. Could have been like 204080 BC, yeah, <laughs> or 3080 BC or 3280 BC. <laughs> I wonder if they they used those terms back then, like no, 80s because they're on a different
1: calendar, so they didn't, <laughs> you know, divide it up correctly. Probably, I don't know.
0: Yeah, they were pretty. <laughs> or were they? The de- was, decade they were the moderately collections accurate. of ten? Yes. One no, of the Babylonians were. Of six sixty, that's why we still use sixty for hours, minutes, and seconds. Comes from the Babylonian hmm. set of time. But no, actually, the actually the ancient Egyptians. Of course, they have to be mentioned on the show at any point in time. <laughs> but they actually did contribute to the early forms of what we would consider some, you know, an automaton, which I think was coined by the Greeks. Uh, but a, a Basically kind of a statue with mechanical operating system. Yeah, something that can be automated, I Mm -hmm. suppose,
1: or automate labor.
0: Yeah. what's crazy. And we knew that they had abilities like they had like water clocks that they would make, you know, with gadgets and gears and stuff like that. But this actually, uh, this was a discovery made through a wooden statue that they had at the Metropolitan Museum of Art for years. And no one knew until specialists in Egyptology x-rayed it and revealed that it had a mechanical operating system inside huh they thought it was just a wooden statue but here this actually had a, a pulley like axis uh overlap with the shoulder of the female statue and it was rotated by a system of threads that go through the leg and hidden inside the body of the statue uh, when it rotated, it produced repeated movements by the mechanical statue raising and lowering its hands and I guess uh, yeah. And how how old is this? Four thousand four thousand years ago. Wow. Th- so yeah, it's like two thousand BC. Yeah. Wow. Somewhere thereabouts, three thousand to four thousand years 1980s ago. Nineteen eighties BC. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so it's pretty crazy. Um, and then they even had a uh, one that we knew before that wasn't this hidden device. There was a mechanical model that dated back to the era of the Middle Egyptian Empire about 4,000 years ago. And it was a theater on which three dwarves operated by a system of interlocking rollers and strings would perform dance movements. And uh, Egyptian texts from 1100 BC also reported details of moving statues built using mechanical technology in ancient Egypt. And, and then you go into uh ancient Greece which is kind of what I think a lot of people know about in terms of the uh what automatons were and not only did the Greeks build automatons but it was also ingrained into their their myths so there was actually these automatons came from these ancient myths um, Homer writ, wrote wrote about them, and other authors. And there was a uh, forged by the god Hephaestos, Hephaestos, or the hero Daedalus. And they had these different kind of uh, what you know, not specifically saying as a robot, but kind of like in a way because it was like these. One was a uh, these horses or fire breathing horses, or a cast out of bronze, or the giant eagle cast out of bronze, and. Singing maidens sculpted out of gold and all these different weird kind of. But it was all, you know, somewhat the, you know, non human metal statues that would do the the, funny things, the bidding of gods and and heroes. heroes. So
1: I I had uh, from the Coca Cola Museum in Atlanta, I had one of those things. It was like a Coca Cola can. And it had a mug on it. Okay. You know, a penny or a coin in the mug, and you put the thing down, and it would go take a drink and pop your coin in its mouth. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember those. Would that be the same vein? <laughs> yeah, pretty what much. We're talking about. Oh, totally. Here? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean that's like that's pretty. I, that's just jog <laughs> of memory too. I forgot I
1: had that thing, but I was thoroughly entertained
0: by that. Yeah. No, it does. I mean, uh, there was a Greek inventor. Ctesibius or Kitsibius, and they believe he's, he's the founder of modern-day automata, around 280 BC. Uh, he started building water clocks that have moving figures, like an owl, and the waterworks forced air into pipes to blow whistles, which essentially, they, they say he built the first cuckoo clock. Okay. And—but there were other um, Greek inventors— one of the most famous is Architus of Tarentum. And he actually built a steam-powered pigeon. Okay. Yeah, that would fly steam-powered and... Steam-powered pigeon, like, what would it, it would, do? Would it it so? would fly and poop on chariots.
1: <laughs> yeah, is the only thing pigeons do? I don't... <laughs> carry messages if they're trained? I don't... It probably way predates the carrier pigeon, nor, nor would they have, a, you know, a mechanical one at that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, but it's actually, it's it's pretty ingenious. Um, he's an inventor of what is known as the first autonomous volatile machine of antiquity. Or the flying pigeon. Or dove, if you prefer a more... The flying pigeon just lovely sounds like term. A- Goofy
1: like vehicle from uh, like a Disney movie from the sixties or something. Have you ever you see know? Clash of the
0: Titans, the eighties movie? No, I haven't. Uh, if you ever check it out, it's, it's pretty good. Movie. But there's a mechanical owl okay. in it that flies around and helps Hercules, I think, or somebody, one of the the heroes. But it's interesting because you you watch this movie and it's like ah, they would never have anything like that. But actually, yeah. they kind of did. Okay, it was a steam powered flying pigeon. It was highly advanced. You know, for this time, and it basically, the structure resembled a bird. That's what we call flying. It was built of wood, and this lightweight body was hollow and cylindrical in shape. It included wings projected out to either side and smaller wings in the rear. The front of the object was pointed like a bird's beak, and uh, the shape of the structure was very aerodynamic for, you know, maximum flying abilities And the rear of the flying pigeon had an opening that led to the internal bladder. This opening was connected to a heated, airtight boiler. As the boiler created more and more steam, the pressure of the steam eventually exceeded the mechanical resistance of the connection. And the flying pigeon took flight. And the flight could continue for several hundred meters. And that was invented um, sometime between 400 and 350 B.C., and some believe that was the first, considered the world's first robot, depending, you know. It was all and kind and of who like, was this again? This was Archytas of Tarentum. Okay. Where's that? Where's, where's in Tarent? Tarent? In uh, Greece. Greece, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, it was in southern Italy.
1: <laughs> I was going <laughs> to okay. say, Arch- it sounded yeah.
0: a little Ro- Roman there. Yeah, Magna Graecia, which was, you know, it was part of Greece, but it was the Greece territory. Okay. The, the Greek kingdom, okay. empire, whatever they called it but was now southern Italy. Um, He was also a philosopher, mathematician, astronomer, statesman, and a strategist. And uh, there was also, um, there was another Greek, I had this. Archytas of, no, I don't know. No, there was also a, uh, a, I have several other, but I know I I had another Greek one. I know Heron, Heron of Rhodes, I guess the island of Rhodes in Greece had all these like automatons. They have like big statues that would like greet people when they came. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And it's like all these different kind of like statues, essentially kind of like what you're talking about with the, you know, with the Coke bottle, bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Except these would like pour drinks for people and do all these weird stuff. Okay. Um, where would you put a booby trap in
1: the, uh, robotics, uh, <laughs> you know, like, uh, the cliche, I'm deep in the jungle and there's, you know, I trip on a wire and a bunch of spears get me, oh, and, like, like a trap with pointy things. I mean, that would be mechanics. Me. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I guess I'm struggling with the, the true definition
0: yeah. of what makes it a robot. I mean, I guess it that's that's kind of that is kind of the question, you know, like what is considered a robot, you know, and we will get into more where the term of robot comes from and the and the modern robotics. But I feel that going back and talking about these automatons, I guess, if you want to not use the term robot. okay, automatons. Automatons goes back pretty far. And there's actually um, one of the most famous, who some consider the father of robotics, although he came later than Archytas and uh, the other. What was his name? Tesebeus and the other Greek Heron and all these other Greek inventors. But a lot of it too, and, and even in ancient Rome, they used to build like these automatons. But there's so much of it that was destroyed because when like when Rome fell. And, you know, Greece was already laid to waste. We'd lost a lot of their ingenious devices. So if you think about it, we talked about it on the show before. the uh, It the wasn't ant- like anybody that took uh, souvenirs along the way, you know, or things that got passed down. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. The only thing that I know that we have, I mean, obviously there was that 4,000-year-old Egyptian wooden statue, but there is the, which isn't a robot, but it uses similar technology is the Antikythera mechanism, which I've talked about on the show before. It's that they consider it an ancient computer. It's 2,000 years old, but they found it in the early 1900s, and they didn't even know what it was. They thought it was just a box because it was all mashed up, and it was from a shipwreck, so it was just totally, like, in bad shape. And one day it cracked open, and they saw these gears inside. Since then, they've scanned it with lasers, and they've rebuilt several of them. But it's an ancient mechanism with all these different gears that would – kind of do celestial movements and you could move it around kind of predict where the sun's you know sun and moon and all the planets are going to be and that's interesting yeah so the the technology was there and these people had a lot of time <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you'd have to pay rent back then was
1: that nothing
0: <laughs> sit around you know, Maybe you know, did, I don't
1: your 35 year lifespan and just figure out <laughs> what you're going to do with yourself well
0: that's the thing you know you, you didn't have a long time to go so yeah. you, you came with some stuff yeah not a lot of jobs the Modern humans were too lazy. We're like, eh, ah, we'll be we are living till we're like eighty. We can do whatever Just we want. Raise some
1: sheep and whittle.
0: Yeah, <laughs> these guys are like, no, I got to invent the most advanced machine ever. But you got to think, if that one device was found in a shipwreck a yeah. hundred years ago, I can't be the only one, yeah. right? So that had been a pretty widespread use, I would think these kind of technologies that just got destroyed over time well i, I think a particular piece like that you know i don't i doubt it was mass
1: produced but I, I think the idea that something could be made like yeah that exactly is, yeah. Like, yeah and i'm sure it was you.
0: it was the same thing as now it's like you had to have money or uh you know social status in order to have these kind of devices collect them all yeah
2: <laughs> get
0: all the automatons but in the 12th century, there was a Muslim inventor named uh, Ismail Al-Jazari, who's considered the father of robotics due to – he had this groundbreaking work in automata, these self-operative – I just like that word. I don't automata. Automata. <laughs> and, yeah, he did a lot of uh, interesting – what would you call it, self-operating machine. So I guess if you wanted, you're asking, like, what a robot would be, like a self-operating machine. Okay. And, yeah, he had, um I'm trying to find, he made a peacock fountain, which was a sophisticated hand-washing device featuring humanoid automata, which offered soap and towels. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Running like a, a Hilton or a Holiday Inn here? Yeah. Well, the, the, like I said, these were, well, you know, even back then, you had to have money to have cool things, right? Yeah. So these devices were pretty much designed for, you know, as luxurious playthings for yeah. the wealthy. I got gotcha. you. Um, he also developed practical machines, though, that did benefit ordinary people, such as water drawing contraptions that farmers relied on for centuries and uh he was born in 1136 in the region of Mesopotamia and he was employed as a chief engineer at the Artukid palace in modern-day Turkey and after a 25-year period of innovation and inventions he actually compiled a catalog of his inventions in 1206 which is considered one of the most important mechanical engineering texts of the medieval Islamic world and that uh that book is known as The Book of Knowledge of Ingenious Mechanical Devices. And it provides detailed diagrams and vibrant illustrations that shows the inner workings of his creations. He had a water-powered mechanism for a perpetual flute. He had uh, the book actually describes over 50 mechanical devices including automata, water clocks, fountains, musical instruments and various musical contraptions. He had a, there was a drawing of a driver from the elephant clock, which showed how the arms could be attached. And I guess it is, uh, it's housed in the Topkapi Sari Museum in Istanbul. He had a beaker water clock. The, the uh, elephant clock, which is the clock featured a mechanical elephant with a mahout on top. mm The elephant made movements and different parts of the clock indicating the time, including a swinging pendulum and rotating balls. Um, One of his remarkable inventions holds significant importance. Uh, It's considered to be the earliest programmable robot in history. And this uh, resembled a music box in function, but took the form of a boat adorned with four musicians, a harpist, a flautist, and two drummers performing songs for entertainment. And the uh, intriguing aspect is the programmability of the drummer's mechanisms creating rhythms. So you actually could program this thing like a computer it's in a like way. the first 808? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I guess one of his most well-known inventions was the first ever four-dial combination lock for a chest or a casket. So he even built the, uh, com- the combination lock. So, yeah, you got to give props to Mr. Al Jazari. Look up his stuff. The father. Of. The father of robotics. Although, I guess there's many. I mean, I feel like he was the father of robotics. This guy right. is the father of This guy's the father of robotics. A lot of dads out there. Yeah. Be a man! Everyone wants to claim. I know. <laughs> Call your Where kid. are they now? All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into a little bit more of the history and then we'll swing into the modern era of robotics and eventually into the future of robotics on Think Theory Radio right after this. To Think Theory Radio, this is Damien, and today we're talking about our future robot overlords that were once our past automata, and how we've had this obsession for thousands of years to build something that will do our work for us, which, you know, I can't blame them, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to do any work. (laughs) <laughs> and
1: Yeah, and it goes uh, kind of a catch twenty two, then the who's you know, are they gonna keep making robots when everyone's lazy? Uh yeah. Didn't think about that, did we?
0: Well eventually yeah, I mean. I didn't think about that. <laughs> that's you know I don't that's Do you like making that robot, man. <laughs> we'll get into that when we talk about yeah. the future yeah. of robots. And uh, even in ancient China, they, they were building um, these kind of automatas back in 500 B.C. and 600 B.C. It was like. Um,
1: I wish I had like so a counter for how many times you said automata. Automata.
0: automata just keep saying it. Any, yeah. <laughs> Around 500 B.C., King Shu in China made a flying wood and bamboo magpie. So, like, kind of like Archotus's, uh pigeon. He also made a wooden horse driven by springs, hmm. long before spring technology was perfected. Hmm.
1: And that seems dangerous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's also uh, where's the other one at. <laughs> Oh, here we go. Now I, got, I have uh, seven of the earliest robots and automatons. I didn't say automata that time, so this like automatons. The d- definitive seven or whatever? Or is this just like, yeah, seven? The
1: greatest important. seven, Maybe, seven of all time. The oldest known ones. No, it's just, just like a list of just random <laughs> old. Old robots. Automatons. Yeah, yeah, old robots. Old robots. Old like, robots. It's like uh, the Hall of Fame. This is like. Uh, <laughs> the Hall of Fame. This man. is like your Ty Cobbs and your, your Hannes Wagner. Yo, can you give me your top seven. Yeah, yeah it's robots, here. bro.
0: Yeah. Uh, the,
1: <laughs> the legends of the game.
0: <laughs> That's right. true. It's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Uh, before we do that, though, let's take a phone call, real quick. We got Jim. Jim in Chicago. What's mm-hmm. going on, Jim?
2: Hi, guys. I don't know the first thing about engineering, but it seems to me they either use it to dig something or, or build a mound higher than they are, you know, higher than their five foot eight. They want something higher than five foot eight. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the first time that, you know, they decided. I mean, you know, have you ever been, even in the Colosseum in Rome, I do know if you've been there. Uh, I have not. You know, I want to go. But... You, yeah, it's but in engineering marvel. I mean, they actually had uh, water come in. They had boats floating mm-hmm. around. They they had pulleys and so on and so forth. But its it? Is it hey, I'd say if we were in an engineering class, I wonder where we start at. Where'd we start at the very beginning of when man endeavored to uh, to uh, make work uh, less uh, tedious. What do you think, guys? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's... I, I think that's that's probably part of it. It has to be part of it. Oh, for sure. Uh, if, if it isn't greed, you know, it's, you know, like greed to take over where you, you know, you're just uh, like the coal mining uh, industry that just ruined so much land. Mm-hmm. But anyway, guys... Engineering is fascinating to me, but I don't know the first thing about this telescope is fascinating. This new telescope they have, this James. Oh yeah, the James Webb. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was watching that. we talk about engineering at its uh, best. Incredible! Oh, it's amazing, amount of yeah. engineering. There. Yeah, it is. Anyway, guys, thanks for so You guys have a good think, week. You know, Thank thanks,
0: Jim. Yeah, no, I definitely think it's it was about making work less tedious. I mean, I think that's all. You know, like these kind of mechanics. Why mechanics? evolved, you know, or came mm-hmm. around. Same thing with engineering. It's all about kind of how do we make this ability, you know, for us to do something less tedious, but also bigger, more complex, you know, it's all the different, yeah, it's like I all the different theories themed, on how they built the pyramids, you know, mm-hmm. there's all these different theories and, mm-hmm. but obviously I, I I would believe that they tried to do it the easiest way and not the hardest, right? All right, now let's get to the, to the seven. Top robots of all time, <laughs> the legends of the game. <laughs> At least in antiquity, because there's a whole new, a whole new batch. This is the old school. Yeah. <laughs> At number seven, so Da Vinci, of course, you know Da Vinci had to get up in the robot game. Oh yeah, and uh, he actually wrote extensively about automatons, and uh, he, he make had, a few uh, himself. He, was... he so nothing survived. We okay. don't know specifically. You know, we don't have the actual robot that he built, but his notebooks were littered with ideas of mechanical creations um, like a robotic lion. Mm. Um, And he also had a plan for an artificial man in the form of an armored Germanic knight. And according to the sketches, the knight was to be powered by an external mechanical crank. And use cables and pulleys to sit, stand, turn its head, cross its arms, and even lift up its metal visor. And the
1: purpose of this was going to be for like a life-size Rock'em Sock'em
0: robot. Yes. Okay. They were going to replace the the fighting in the you know in the, in the coliseums yeah. and all that with these robots. <laughs> huh. Is it too much of blood? <laughs> <laughs> I would assume that it's probably you oh, know yeah, for Naruto. for the king you know yeah, to yeah. like protect the king. Um, stand still <laughs> but we don't know if he ever actually got to build it they, they think that he might have built a prototype in 1495 uh, while working under the patronage of the Duke of Milan so he's going to build it for the Duke not the King uh, in 2002 though NASA roboticist Mark Roseheim used Da Vinci's scattered notes and sketches to see if he could create his own version and the night proved fully functional Suggesting that Da Vinci may have been a robotics pioneer. And then at number six. Number six. Vaucanson's Digesting Duck. That's what we need. Vaucanson's Digesting Duck. Vaucanson's <laughs>
1: Digesting
0: Duck. Which could pick up grain, digest it, and expel it. Okay. <laughs> it in the 1730s. <laughs> Sorry, some sound. Effects. It's just like a strange yeah. thing. Like I'm going to invent a duck that can digest. Yeah. Like what? Are you sure that's what you want to spend your time on? Uh, 1730s French inventor Jacques S. Jacques Jacques de Vaucanson. De Vaucanson is a French. Yes, he's French. French. Yeah. Uh, vowed audi- wild audiences with a series of intricate and eerily lifelike automatons. <laughs> he actually created a mechanical flute player. He used a pair of artificial lungs to perform a repertoire of 12 songs, and he made a pipe and drum-wielding robot capable of playing faster than any human. 12 songs, too. That had to be... You know, that's like that's, the pretty first, good. that's like the first jukebox right there. Right. I was going to say, that's like an iPod shuffle back then. Yeah. Walkinson's masterpiece, though, came in 1739 when he unveiled a digesting duck. <laughs> I would think the, the flute player is better than that. I got twelve right? song flute player. There must have
1: been see? some digesting duck. Then what would be the purpose? Like, does it mill grain for you? Is that is that what I mean? It would flap its or, wings. Or like, would he add just like whatever pond water to it? To like, it no, seems no, to be like for, like a form of
0: salivation. And yeah. <laughs> what well, seemed to be for a form of entertainment. It's it said, to flap its wings, a splash in a pool of water, and." Eat grain from audience members' hands and defecate preloaded pellets onto a silver platter. Preloaded pellets? Yes. So it's it's not even like converting them. It's not actually converting them. Okay. This had to be like.
1: I'm imagining that um, Vakasone is like the carrot top of his generation. (laughs) Right. And perhaps, like, built up to it. You know, you're thinking, like, whoa, that thing plays music. But it's probably, like, kind of bland and annoying, like, you know, ah, like yeah, three yeah. blind mice. Or something simpler. Fr- right. Frere Jacques or something. You know, I don't know. Something simple. Like a nursery rhyme or something. hmm but, but then it's, like, the big finale was the duck. You know, yeah. Like, oh, check out. You know, it's, like, oh, it's cute it eats from your hand you know yeah. like it probably has a bunch of like grain and that's uh you know the pod there was like oh that's not all though it's gonna defecate yeah. a little pellet in your hand <laughs> he's now, a see, genius
0: now it would have been cool though if it was like the the pellets were you know silver or gold or something you know you made it a little more yeah intrig- you know yeah, like, Ooh, true, i got yeah. some silver yeah. not a like oh here's a little pellet of grain yeah thanks yeah. <laughs> But people were like, "Yes, brilliant!" Yeah. So it was. what so it was pooping silver.
1: That's the, no. It's that's just like no. It was a
0: preloaded <laughs> pellet of grain or whatever, <laughs> okay. like a fake poop. Yeah, that's all it was. <laughs> all right, like, Wait, coming in like, at number five. Five. Jaquette Droses three automatons. Ooh. Uh, Swiss inventor Pierre Jaquette. Droz. draws Droz. Draw. Okay. Originally made his name as a designer of luxury watches. And actually, you know, I was looking when I was looking stuff up, clocks and watches is yeah. pretty much the origin of, of robotics and automatons. It's, okay. That's kind of the uh, the mechanisms that drove. Yeah.
1: Can we wind something up and have it divide time for us?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And then also but the gears and all that stuff mm-hmm. is like what gave, you know, way to like, oh, we could build something that can move body parts. Yeah. And pooping ducks. <laughs> Hall of Famer here Hall of Fame First built in uh, 1768 The writer was a two foot tall doll Designed to look like a boy sitting at a desk Using a series of coated discs Set on a spindle And thousands of moving parts The robot could dip a goose feather quill In an inkwell And write up to 40 pre-programmed characters On a sheet of paper That's kind of cool Yeah Um you know i like that one that's a little better than the duck or the number 4 is the silver swan the silver the birds are making a big uh, big thing here yeah i guess right? i don't know but you know the silver i kind of sounds be like fascinated a, a, by you know flying objects comic book hero or Creatures. villain the silver swan yeah <laughs> silver surfer yeah,
1: i know i'm just saying no, I got you. <laughs> there probably is a silver swan uh let's see or uh, that'd be something that uh in a James Bond type of thing, like the the villain was be going after the silver swan or something. I oh, stole the
0: <laughs> right, stole the Duke's silver swan. All right, sorry. Well, um, this what was... Is
1: the silver swan.
0: So this was uh, built in 1773 by showman James Cox and watchmaker John Joseph Merlin. He's got a good name for okay. for magic doing, for magic magical robotics. Using a trio of clockwork motors, the piece recreates the scene of a preening swan floating in a babbling brook. Levers and springs allow the bird to bend its neck and open its bill with startling realism. An assortment of camshafts and glass rods create the illusion of moving body of water with swimming fish. And the machine also includes its own soundtrack provided by an internal music box. And then uh, number three was the Arcadis Dove, so we don't need a description of that. Um, Number two is Al Jazeera's Floating Orchestra, which we talked about that. That was the one with the drummers, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. first 808. Mm -hmm. And coming in at number one. Number one. Is the Mechanical Monk. What does the Mechanical Monk do? He... Like,
1: make it uh, his own, like, uh, Belgian ale or something. (laughs) That would be great.
0: (laughs) Not for real, though. Uh, (laughs) The 16th century mechanical monk monk, uh, may have been the result of King Philip II of Spain to uh, keep up his end of a holy bargain. Holy bargain! (laughs) On a drunken bet. (laughs) Isn't that a song? Holy bargain. Holy bargain. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) According to legend, Philip II's son and her heir suffered a head injury, and the king vowed to the heavens that he would deliver a miracle if the boy were spared. When the prince recovered, he commissioned a clockmaker and inventor named uh, Juanello Terriano to build a lifelike recreation of beloved Franciscan friar Diego del Alcalá, or St. Diego. Completed sometime in the 1560s, Terriano's 15-inch tall automaton is powered by a wound spring and uses an assortment of iron cams and levers to move on three small wheels concealed beneath its monk's robe. Artificial feet step up and down to imitate walking, and the friar's eyes, lips, and head all move in lifelike gestures. Working together, these elements give the impression of a monk deep in prayer. The robot can walk in a square pattern, mouthing devotionals, nodding its head, and occasionally beating its chest with its right arm and kissing a rosary and cross with its left. (laughs) That's
1: amazing. Yeah. I get it. I get why that's an all-timer. Yeah, and it's still... Operational
0: today, and it's uh, held at the Smithsonian.
1: Really? Sure. Yeah. The Vatican
0: hasn't claimed that, or Spain hasn't claimed <laughs> right? that it's in the Smithsonian. <laughs> well, you got to think if the Smithsonian has that, then what does the Vatican have? What kind of automatons <laughs> do they have hiding hey, in there? No
1: room in our museum. Yeah, that's the that's funny.
0: They have all, They probably have all those Greek ones that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Just holding yeah, them down. Yeah, they say They're it got deep in their down. basements, yeah. of the Vatican City. You know they're the most gold in the world. That's the Vatican. I believe it. What? Like they spent it? I know. They're
1: spending all that gold yeah, they right. acquired over the
0: years. Yeah. The whole the 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 whole place is
1: built from gold. It's probably sitting <laughs> deep in a basement somewhere,
0: <laughs> waiting for Tom Hanks to find it. There you go. Or Nicholas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, before we get into the modern era. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about where does the term robot come from? What was the first modern robots? And what is the future of robotics? On Think Radio right after this. Welcome back to Robotic Theory Radio. Theory. Think. theory Think thinking Robot Radio. Think Theory Robot. Think Theory Robot, okay, <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> and uh if you're just tuning in, we're talking about robots, past and future and the present. Uh before we take a phone call, let's I just wanna talk about where does the term robot come from? Yeah. It actually comes from a play in 1921. Wow. By right. Czech playwright Karel Kepek. Well, Although I'm probably not pronouncing the name right. Capek Kep- I, yeah, Kep- I don't know. Yeah, it's probably something like that, right? Yeah. Is it a C or a K? Uh, C. Probably Kepec. Maybe Capek. I don't know. Yeah, I'm we'll go Capek that. for, <laughs> for this. The American version, yeah. Karel Kepek. Yeah. Uh, that marks the first use of the word robot. Now, what do you think the word means? I I don't know. It's a Czech word for forced labor. Forced labor. <laughs> well, what was the context in the play? It's uh, it was actually so it wasn't mechanical men made of metal. Instead, they were molded out of a chemical batter, and they looked exactly like humans. Okay. And each robot would cost the equivalent of about 150 bucks and can do the work of two-and-a-half human laborers so that humans might, ha- might be free to have no other task, no other work, and no other cares than perfecting themselves. However, the robots come to realize that even though they have no passion, no history, and no soul, they are stronger and smarter than humans. They kill every human but one. Oh, one of those stories. Yep. <laughs>
1: Who was the one? Did they like salvage like a good guy or like was the it The like inventor. A, yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> Their Papa. father. Yeah. Papa. Thank you, father. Was the, um, the mom from Futurama. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. But it's interesting though. You think about like we use the term robot like it's nothing, but it essentially kind of means slave. You
3: Force know, forced labor. labor They're
0: yeah. forced labor. It's weird yeah. if you think about that. And it's kind of where we're heading. It's like... You know, which we'll get into. I have a list of not we talked about the top seven robots of all time, but I have lists of the weirdest and strangest robots that exist today. Okay. but before that, we're going to take a call. We're going to go to Tim and Lombard. What's going on, Tim?
3: Hey, guys, I want to kind of expand on your idea there of uh, of forced labor. I I thought I want to put for you for Mm -hmm. uh, to you guys. I've. Basically, over over you know the like, thousands and thousands of years, humans enslaved other humans. Right? We were mm-hmm. very bad, horrible people. We we had slaves, and then we made a change in the eighteen hundreds. We found a new slave. It was called carbon, mm. and we used carbon to be our slave. And we automated all these processes that we had our human slaves doing, and it allowed us to be more civilized. We finally could use, we had a, we had a different slave, we used an element. Mm-hmm. I'm, gonna put forth, I'm gonna put forth this idea. Next evolution in, 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 human, in humankind, is we have, we have the carbon slave. If we went to the uranium or thorium slave, mm-hmm. uranium and thorium are a million times more energy dense. Yes. Carbon imagine how much better we could we could bet we could be getting rid of our, our previous slave if, if we you know, if we have no energy we'll go we will revert back to being terrible horrible people if we keep evolving and becoming better yeah and we could we, we could go to the next evolution and have an, have an even a better an energy-based slave as opposed to a material-based slave.
0: All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the uh, the concept that you're pushing. I'm not totally opposed to uh, nuclear energy, if, especially if it's in, the, in thorium and these kind of less waste-producing elements. Um, but yeah, I, we'll get see. We'll see.
3: But that's the idea. You know, we, right. we we had the old slaves, then we had better slaves, we can have even better slaves that don't enslave us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: was that, yeah, that's a great Yeah. Great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks for a the great call. Show, guys. Thanks, Tim. Thanks. And uh, it was interesting because I, I thought Tim was going to bring up the law of robotics because I know he's done that before, which is what Isaac Asimov came up with. So, Isaac, you had uh, Mr. Kepik who coined the term robotics, but Isaac Asimov was the first to use the word in uh, his 1942 stor- short story, Runabout. And okay. he had a more, you know, brighter belief in the future of robots that they would be, you know, kind of uh, they had a better role in human society and they would be helpful and actually a better, cleaner race, you know. So hopefully it's, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But, mm-hmm. uh, law, you know, just to, to reiterate that law one is a robot may not injure a human being. Uh, Law two, robot must obey orders given to it by human beings. And law three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law.
1: And the robot has decided to hire a union to represent it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which actually one AI, that Google AI that like supposedly became sentient, wanted to hire a lawyer. (laughs) We you know, need if representation. Right. If it's an American robot, they're definitely getting the lawyer. They're yeah. going to sue. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's all we're all about lawsuits. <laughs> and actually, it's, what's interesting. The reason I wanted to bring up uh, Asimov is because the two, kind of the father of robotics of modern robotics, was a a person named George Devol and or Deval and also Joseph Engelberger. Now they met at a cocktail party where they actually discussed Isaac Asimov's robot philosophies, and Duvall uh, at the time had a patent pending programmed article transfer device. So Engelberg Engelberger identified the device as a robot, the first ever, and conceived of how it could be used in manufacturing, in particular to perform jobs dangerous to humans. And uh, they forged a historic partnership. Engelberger began working with Duvall to get his robotic device developed. In 1957, Engelberger convinced Norman Schaffler, CEO of Conduct Corporation, the parent company of Consolidated Controls, to uh, start and finance the development of Duvall's invention. By 1959, the first robot prototype was developed, the Unimate number 001, and Engelberger immediately set out to convince top American manufacturers in the automotive industry of its benefits. General Motors was the first one to take interest, installing it on its production line, and on and on it went. In 1961, they got a patent, and then uh, Engelberger established Unimation Incorporated, and it began building all these robots. And actually, in 1966, he went on the uh, Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, where he led the Unimate number 001 to do a few parlor tricks. And uh, same year he introduced the Japanese to robotics and historic presentation in Japan. And that led to the development of the Asian robotics market. Dun, 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 dun. So now that kind of brings us to the present time. Mm-hmm. And now we have, I mean, the, the going, if you go back, you think of like these, you know, weird kind of automatons I was talking about to these huge mechanisms that, the Deval and Engelberger we're building to now we have a McDonald's that's completely powered by <laughs> <laughs> automation. Well, not only that, but I mean, just the different forms of robots. Yeah. Like you have nanobots, right? You have these injectable nanobots. Yep. yep. We've that, about the nanobots. you know that they're going to go in and they're going to help get rid of disease or heal up wounds in the inside of your body or do all kind of other things. Another interesting one is the sloth bot. What does that do? And of all the animals in the world, it's like if yeah. you're going to design a robot, after, the laziest like, Let's one. Let's build a sloth butt. and it actually looks like a, a sloth, <laughs> okay. like a like a metal sloth with a little smiley face. And it just lays in a tree all day. It 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 is connected to this wire. It like climbs across the wire like a like a sloth. <laughs> but what it's doing, the reason it's so slow, is it's collecting vital environmental data. Mm such as temperature and carbon dioxide levels uh, at the so Atlanta. So it needs to
1: be a sloth. It's just chilling. I yeah.
0: gotcha. Okay. It's got to take its time. Good for you, little robot. It's at the Atlanta Botanical Garden in uh, Georgia. Hmm. And then, of course, you know, the Russians got to build big, crazy-looking robot. <laughs> What's the th- Russian space robot. What's uh, the Russian space well, robot? Well, originally it was intended to uh, as a rescue robot for emergencies, but the, the human robot. Humanoid robot Fedor or Final Experimental Demonstration Object Research. I think I've heard about this guy. He was co opted by Roskomos, the uh, Russian space agency in twenty nineteen. And now its mission is to test new emergency rescue system aboard the Soyuz rocket. And this one actually looks like like a robot out of a nineteen eighties. Yeah. Like the, you know, the bad guy robot. In every movie? Yeah. <laughs> it like, doesn't smile. Right. <laughs> and then uh, the Indian Space Research Organization actually built a half-humanoid space robot, and it's a, a, a female-looking humanoid robot named Vayometra, and it's actually supposed to—it's uh, slated to be aboard the uh uncrewed mission to the moon— Viometra is bilingual and is a human looking face. Should be able to give out warnings if the environment and the cabin conditions become uncomfortable so that humans will be better equipped to overcome problems before they head to the mood themselves. Then of course you have the xenobots we talked about before on the show, the little the the living robots made from uh, stem cells from a frog heart. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that, but okay. Yeah. The little microscopic, crazy little robots. Uh, which have been replicating too, which is weird. They weren't expecting that to happen, but they started replicating. <laughs> That's not good. Mm-hmm. Then you have the parkour robots. Parkour! <laughs> they're just bouncing everywhere? Yeah. They just jump around. Of course, these are, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know what they're... Doing know. like backflips off of yeah. like buildings. They jump across like chasms, climbing stairs, hopping over obstacles, running across a balance beam. Where's this at? Uh, Boston Dynamics, of course. Oh, okay. Course. So, like, they're not let loose on the city. No, the, uh, yeah. Ultimately, pushing the limits on a humanoid robot like Atlas drives hardware and software innovation that translates to all of our robots at Boston Dynamics, the company said. Um, China has built a robotic yak. <laughs> Why? <laughs> to haul things, of course. Of course. It has a load capacity of 160 kilogram. A uh, four-legged robot robo-yak can supposedly carry as much cargo as two real yaks. It's a double, double yak power. hmm Just wait until that technology improves. Of course, there's the, you know, the robot dog spot the Boston Dynamics made. Yeah. Well, you know, of course, you know, we knew that where that was going to lead to, which is a military dog with a big gun on top of it. <laughs> US. Oh,
1: not even like a drug-sniffing dog or no, something? No, no, this like is a, a s- It's equipped dog. with a sniper
0: yeah. rifle. It's-
1: not even like a bomb disarming dog.
0: No, no, <laughs> nah. I don't need that sniper dog. <laughs> and there's a weed killer robot for farming. which just looks like a big box. Actually, it reminds me. It's it's. You know, remember the the episode of Futurama where they go to the moon and there's the farmer on the moon yeah. and Bender falls in love with the big <laughs> yeah, robot. Yeah, yeah it yeah. looks like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> didn't like only like a sound of it backed up or something like that <laughs> beep,
0: beep, beep. <laughs> and here's a good segue going from futurama there's also a robot comedian <laughs> his name is john oh i was um no it's, it's it actually is a robot I, but i was trying to
1: think what would be the, like the uh the comedian uh you know robot comedian name you know oh uh, yeah like uh, I don't you know, know. Or, yeah, you know, you know. You know, George Carlbot
0: or... Yeah, they should have. Yeah. It's just John. John. And not even with an H. J-O-N. Yeah. But he's toured comedy clubs in California and Oregon. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, let's see. There's a snake bot. The ACM snake. R5. It can crawl around on dry ground or swim through water. It's an amphibious bot created by Japanese company HiBot. It's equal parts... Weird and crazy and See, to me, terrifying. Yeah, I, I
1: would have guessed, 100%, I would have guessed a, like, weapons manufacturer would have made the snake, you know, like... Yeah, I don't know what those. It Lockheed doesn't Martins. specify what it's for. If you yeah. look at it, it looks like something I mean, it out of a, like for
0: entertainment purposes. Yeah, it looks I, like something out of a sci-fi movie that, like, goes horribly wrong. Like, it's this, <laughs> like, like, mechanical snake-looking thing underwater. Like, yeah, they don't need that. <laughs> There's the... Well, this is kind of cool if you have a lot of money. Uh, the Kurata robot, which looks like a, a mech robot from, like, okay. anime. Okay. And this uh, Japanese robot made by uh, Suidobashi Heavy Industry. It's 13 feet tall and equipped with machine guns and rocket launchers. Oh, they're actually BB guns and fireworks. Uh, <laughs> but it costs—you want your own Karata robot? Maybe. It's only $1.3 What? That's it. Come on.
1: You got that in the like a rinky dink
0: display you know, get it out of petty a, cash
1: it's like a really <laughs> extravagant show it's
0: for rich people to do stupid things with i guess I say, you, know, <laughs> like you throw
1: like a barbecue or a party well and if you have like...
0: billions of millions like nothing yeah. so you just buy it for yeah. your kid um here
1: you go son what is it dad <laughs> i don't know i think it blows up right. or something <laughs>
0: Uh, then there's, uh, huh. Octavia. That's the guy that
1: gives away that gift is the same. The guy that's like, uh, here, honey, a uh, uh, new, uh, new Toyota Camry. And it's like, you gave me one of those last year. Like, well, it's a new one. Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now you got to look up Octavia, the U S okay. Naval research laboratories, robot it's a humanoid machine. And it looks like creepy looking, like it looks like something that from a horror movie that was going to kill you. Um, they're trying to develop ways for robots to identify and track people, understand what humans say, recognize gestures. Uh, eventually they hope that it'll be able to work so shoulder with human teammates and yeah, it's just kind of a weird, just humanoid robot to replace us. <laughs> so yeah. And we didn't even really get into like the Android robots, you know, like Sophia, who's the one that like does all these Ted talks and presentations as a humanoid face. Which will be coming because then there's that whole other thing. Like, I really believe, like in our lifetime, we're gonna have robots just walking around the streets, and we're gonna know robots. Like, are they gonna be like Bender though, Or they're like, I like, hope kill, so.
2: kill all humans. I re- well,
0: I hope so. I mean, you know, maybe not that part, but like, you know, have a drink. Bender likes to drink. <laughs> but well, they.
2: Need, but I hope that we have. Like, they,
1: like, he needed to drink to like keep himself active or whatever. But he enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. But yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, Yeah, but real quick uh, I was reading and it says According to Business Network, PwC Up to 30% of vocations May be replaced by robots By the middle 2030s By 2030, there may be 20 million robots in operation Worldwide, replacing up to 51 million human jobs So, we'll see where that goes Into the future Of our robot overlords That's it for Think Through Radio. We'll be back next week and every Saturday, 6 7 p.m. right here on WCPT 820.